You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership and legacy through the lens of sports officiating and welcome back to another episode of the uncommon drive podcast my name is chad ozy and i am joined by jeff cross how you doing today jeff man i am good it's uh the heat of the summer (laughs) it's hot my game last week i don't know how hot it was but my clothes are still drying out. <laughs> it's a very humid time right now. Yeah, my son worked a uh, a set of games uh, this last weekend. He had three games. It was, it was a hot day. It wasn't super hot. Like it wasn't like upper nineties. I mm. want to say it was like maybe you know like hovering around ninety, whatever. But it was one of those days where there was zero wind. Yeah, and it was just like one of those like oppressive heats <laughs> right. at that time. And uh, we we knew kind of when his games were ending, and we were out doing some house hunting and stuff. And so we we took a Powerade by to him, hoping to catch him in between games, and we caught him just perfect. And so Megan handed the Powerade out the window to him. He was back at his car taking a ten minute break in between games. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Oh, this is great! I'm gonna throw it in my cooler and you know take it up to the field." And as we drove off, we saw him downing the entire thing. It was it was not making its way back to the field. He was so hot and thirsty. I'll put this empty bottle in my cooler, right? That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's just that time of year. But, you know, I decided way back in what we call spring here in the Midwest mm-hmm. when we play college baseball, and I was wearing seven and eight layers with a heated vest, Yeah, I decided I would not complain no matter how hot it got this summer yeah. working baseball. I would much rather be hot than be cold. I, I would agree, and I actually don't even complain about the heat. I just it's kind of a small talk, you know, oh, yeah, thing. Absolutely. And a lot of times, I will even wear long sleeves in the heat, mm-hmm. just to you know keep myself from complaining. And you know, just don't <laughs> complain. Put a long sleeve jacket on, and I and this is a this is just how stupid my brain works. So I'll wear a long sleeve jacket and shorts. Yeah. And I'll wait for someone to say. Um, how come you've got a long sleeve jacket on and shorts? 
And then I'll look at the next person around who's wearing maybe long pants and a short sleeve shirt. I said, how come you don't say something to them? <laughs> how come you don't say, how come you're wearing long pants and a short sleeve shirt? This doesn't make sense. Did, <laughs> you know, just let me be who I want to be and that's it. So my, our buddy Corky, he likes to do that, you know. He, awesome. he likes to do sleeveless all the time. He's just a big sleeveless guy. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm hot. I got to take the sleeves off. I'm, like, I'm not for sure how six inches of material makes me that much cooler. But, <laughs> hey, whatever. <laughs> so, But, yeah, I love long sleeves. I, love, I think it's um, it's very comforting to me, and I, I like it. I like a little bit of suffering. Well, you know, let's jump right into our topic uh, for this week, which I think uh, I think is going to be interesting, but I also think – maybe it's going to be helpful for us as officials of any sport as we process the new landscape of sports. You know, we've talked for the last, um, well, we've talked for the last now 53 episodes of our, uh, of Mm -hmm. our podcast about the fact that um, officiating is just different now. You know, there's a different level of respect or lack of respect Mm. for officials than what there used to be. Um, There are lots of people that are, are doing things that, that we don't like to see to officials. There's been more assault. There's been more abuse, all those kinds of things going on. And and we've talked about some of the reasons why and all that and, and what our response should be to it and all. And we're, we're going to talk about a topic today that we're, we're not here to debate the topic. The, the story that Jeff is going to share with us here in just a minute, it's not about debating whether this is right or wrong. We can all have our own opinions on that. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's going to be really helpful for us as we understand what it's like to be a sports official in this current climate and and maybe giving us some perspective and some understanding. Um, I was recently at a uh, NCAA basketball officiating camp and uh, Maggie Teenan that I know you've worked with mm-hmm. and many of us have heard before, uh, she uh, runs Mindset Matters, mm-hmm. um, which kind of helps us look at what, what our mindset should be uh, when we go uh, into officiating. And one of the things that she was talking about in the process of that was being able to have some empathy or at least at the very, at the very basic, some understanding of where the coach that you're dealing with is coming from. Mm-hmm. And she was using the disc profile, you know, so with with how how you are, uh, if you know your own disc profile makeup and then kind of having an idea of what that coach's disc profile makeup is, then it might give you better things to be able to say to them. You know, if there's somebody that just wants to be heard versus somebody that wants to challenge versus, mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of things that mm-hmm. go on. And um, I think what we're talking about today is. Uh, if we as officials have a, a better understanding or at least maybe just a little bit of empathy towards where people are at, whether we agree with it or not, I think it will help us be better on the field, the court, the diamond. Mm. So why don't you share with us what you saw, Jeff? Well, it was a couple of days ago, leaving the grocery store, and I don't get the local newspaper, but you know, they have the newsstand there. And I looked over and I saw a picture on the very front page. So this is a front page, not the front of the sports page. It's the front page of the whole entire local newspaper. And it's a picture of what I didn't read exactly the story, but it's, you know, the title was um, Little League Champions, you know, something along that lines. And I believe the age was maybe 10U or 11U or something along that lines. 
and uh, uh, win championship. Uh, and I think, and I, and I looked at the picture and I noticed, you know, there's, we had kids celebrating. I thought this was great. You know, they're all excited. But something that I noticed I thought was really, really interesting. In the background of that picture, there were fireworks going off. And I thought, wait a second. So now when we win, we'll call it a championship, but it's the first round of a championship. You know, it's not even the championship. Mm -hmm. It's the first round of a championship of a team that were probably, I don't know. I don't know. I'm purely speculating. Maybe six total teams in this bracket. Mm -hmm. And they're the champion of that. So that means they won two games. Maybe three. Mm-hmm. And they get fireworks, and I thought to myself, "When did this happen? When when do we light off? When do we spend hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars on fireworks when you win three games? When did that happen?" And I just and I was talking to my wife about it. She's like, "You don't know the story." She gets mad at me because I tried to speculate a lot, and she's like, "You just don't know the story. You don't know what it was." And I say, "You're right. I don't know what it was, but I can tell you what I'm reading, and I can tell you what it looks like, and that's all I can go by. So I'm going to pass by. I'm going to pass a little judgment here on what it looks like. So, um, I remember when I played. I mean, you were sharing some sh- stories before we got started, but one of the stories I have was. When a kid brought an aluminum bat, it was a great big deal. Mm-hmm. It was a big deal. Now we got kids getting new bats every year. Maybe sometimes new bats even in the middle of the season because something went on sale or or whatever. So, I, what do you think of that? Yeah, you know, I mean, we have we have people investing more money mm. in youth sports than ever. Okay, you brought up the buying a new bat. It's it's probably not that a bat went on sale. Mm-hmm. It's probably that a kid on the other team went four for four against them mm-hmm. with a certain bat. And now mom or dad decides, well, that bat is what made that kid such a good hitter. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to go buy that bat so that my kid will be a better hitter. Now, they don't know that maybe that kid goes home every night and goes out into his garage and hits 100 balls off a tee every yeah. single night. Right. When they get back you know, at whatever age, hundreds off tosses, right? yeah, you yeah. know that kind of stuff. But we see that happen a lot. We see investment of money that, for those of us who are officials, we see it as being kind of an upside down kind of deal, right? If if you've got a ten year old kid, the bat they use is not what determines how great a player they are. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Whether their glove is a Wilson or a Rawlings doesn't make a big a difference. Garage you know? sale or brand new. That's right. <laughs> um, whether their team has one uniform to wear or they've got home, away, alternate, and special occasion. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but we're seeing that at youth level. And I don't care if we're talking baseball, basketball, football, whatever. That's happening over and over. There's, there's youth football around us. Where literally home jerseys, away jerseys, mm. uh, mom's day jerseys, homecoming day Pink jerseys, day jerseys, you know, yeah. and and they're only playing five home games the whole season, you know. I mean, they're wearing every <laughs> everything once. Yeah, um, but but we're seeing that investment of money, and we we could talk for a really long time about whether that's good for sports or bad for sports. Um, I think I think overwhelmingly. 
it's probably not good. I think there can be some small areas where it's good. You know, there's some kids that are are never going to play past that level, mm-hmm. right? And so having some of those fun experiences, having some of those neat things happen, I get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son played on a, a high school football team where one of their uh, traditions is they have a blackout night, okay? And so on blackout night, they wear black jerseys, and the players get to keep those black jerseys, you know, so they're a little cheaper Jersey or whatever, mm-hmm. but you know, when it's done, they get to keep it. And that's a memory of them playing. And we didn't get that when I played for that exact same team, however many years earlier, you know, right? but, but I get it. That's, that's neat. There's most of those kids are never going to go on and play college ball or other things where they might experience some stuff like that. So I, I do understand that. I understand that it can just be fun for the community of people that are involved around it. Uh-huh. Um, travel parents, kind of become a, a family over the course of a season. Our, yeah. our son played travel baseball. Uh, later, he did not start young. Mm. <laughs> he didn't start playing travel baseball until he was 14, 15, something like that. Uh, we always had him in just the local stuff, and, and he was a good enough player that he could have played at the next level if he'd wanted to. But uh, but that's the kind of thing that, that we did, and, and those parents wanted to buy – swag and shirts that match the team because that was part of their identity for the summer. That was part of their family they were hanging Mm. out with. So Mm -hmm. I I do understand some of that that goes into things. I, I still think overwhelmingly it's, it's not the best thing for, for them, but, but I do see there are some potential positives, but the thing that I'd really like for us to focus on today is how, how does this need to inform us as sports officials, whether it's that travel basketball program that's flying from Philadelphia <laughs> to the Midwest or the West Coast or whatever every single week to go play travel tournaments all summer long. So you've got parents who are investing not thousands per summer. Mm-hmm. They're investing thousands per weekend if mm-hmm. mom, dad, and younger brother and sister are going to come to every event. Um, you've got travel baseball where they are playing sometimes 150 plus games a summer, which again is a whole nother conversation, you know, but that's, that's what they're experiencing. Um, You've got uh, football, softball, soccer. I mean, all these different sports where these travel things are, they're big money. Um, And, and they're big money, not just for, the teams, but they're big money for us as officials. You know, I mean, I, I know people whose full-time job is working travel basketball and baseball, travel travel soccer, softball, whatever it might be. So how does some of this going on, how does it affect and inform us as sports officials? Yeah. Well, I, I want to say though, I, I, this is what I, I, it's, you're telling me all of that, you know, you can agree with some of it and some of it is fun, but the most glaring point that I need to, I need to share in the real world. When you show up for work three days in a row, you don't get fireworks. Mm -hmm. You don't. And we're, we're spending a lot of time celebrating, but we're not punishing for the things that we should be doing normally. You know, our so fireworks. We have fireworks for the team because they just won the championship. But are we penalizing the kid that was twenty minutes late? 
No, still in. So I believe U Sports has lost, has, has, has taken their eye off the ball when it comes to that. So to your question, though, how does it affect us? We have to understand, and I'm guilty of it just as much as anybody. You know, we think we're just going to go in and kind of do this job that we've been assigned to do. Call fouls, call violations, ball strikes, saves outs. This is kind of what I, I mean, I'm here to do. When If we can't, at minimum, keep it somewhere in the back of our head that we just had two adults pay $1,000 for hotel food and gas this weekend for a Friday, Saturday, and a Sunday, plus miss a day of work on Friday so they could be there for that, plus whatever else they had to do, take you know kids away, maybe take a brother and sister away from their friends, they want to go to the pool, all these scenarios. So when we potentially, what they believe, miss a call, whether it's in a first inning or a last inning, the the adult who just spent $1,000 plus, that's all they have in their mind is I just spent $1,000. As you're saying, a new bat. Well, buy the new bat because the other kid went four for four. And now the kid's got his brand new bat up there. He just spent you know 500 bucks on his brand new bat. And umpire calls strike three that, you know, what they perceive to be an inch or two off the plate. They're mad Mm -hmm. because you're not giving me, you're taking away the investment of $500. You're taking that away from me and I can't capitalize on that. So I'm not saying, I'm not defending moms and dads. Mm -hmm. I'm not defending that, but I think we are better served as a sports officials if we can understand the pressure that they're probably putting on themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they're working a second job in the winter so they can pay for summer. Jeez, I wouldn't have been home all winter because I'm working, getting off at five, then I'm, you know, I'm doing Uber Eats till 10. And, you know, I come home and I'm asleep at 11 and back to work at eight. Mm-hmm. Um, all those things are, are just accumulative. And when they, when they pile up and then when that potential missed call happens, that's when we have the perfect storm. And, you know, if you're listening to this today and you're a college sports official, I'm going to really challenge you right now. Don't check out thinking we're just talking about travel ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because this this is a snowball effect for all of us. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jeff talked about how, you know, okay, at the end of the, of the Little League Championship, right, of just their little zone. This wasn't even, you know, like the state <laughs> or the big region or whatever, yeah. right? Okay, of this, this smaller tournament. Okay, if at the end of that we've got fireworks, well, guess what? Everybody always expects bigger and better, right? So if you got fireworks for a 10 or 11U game, what are they going to expect for the high school championship? Mm-hmm. What are they going to expect for the JUCO, for the D3, the D2, the D1, the semi-pro, the whatever? Like, we are just naturally inclined as human beings to always want more mm-hmm. that's that's who we are mm-hmm. that is our nature i'm gonna take it even a, uh, i'm gonna back up just a little bit because we're, we're thinking post game let's just think pre-game for a second you know not that this happens but we have we you know sometimes we invite people to throw out ceremonial first pitches we have guest singers from the national anthem whether we've paid for them or not if we have someone coming in and singing a national anthem and they prepared for the past you know two months or three weeks or whatever the preparation might be, 
And now, as an umpire, you go, hurry up, let's go, we want to get this game started. You're not doing anybody any good. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they've done some preparation, and then you wonder why we have these situations. And, you know, maybe this is, listen, I, I fought hard as a, as a the coach to have someone sing the national anthem, and now you want to hurry it along. That's going to cause problems when it causes problems, whether it costs me money or not. It's the fact that we've put that blood, sweat, and tears and time and effort into making that a better um, experience for the players and coaches and, and fans. So, sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. No, you're right. And, and we see that in almost every sport. Every you know, sport. I've, I've worked on football crews where the athletic director will walk in and say, oh, by the way, it's senior night, so there's going to be a, a longer break between the JV game and the senior game while we introduce everybody. And then the crew sits around and complains because mm-hmm. there's, you know, 20 senior football players and six senior cheerleaders and 32 senior band members mm-hmm. or whatever. Oh, mm-hmm. we're going to be here forever. Instead of realizing, Hey, if, if we can be positive and encouraging during that time, we set ourselves up in a great light. Hey, you know what? That's, that's an awesome experience. Celebrate your kids tonight. Mm-hmm. We'll be ready when you guys are ready. Yep. I mean, you do that all of a sudden. Now we are we are engaged with them. We mm-hmm. are supporting them, and we're reinforcing the fact that we're there for the student athletes, mm-hmm. rather than oh, this means it's an extra fifteen minutes of my night that I'm going to miss out on, mm-hmm. and now there's a, a problem or whatever. And I've been in those locker rooms too, where they're like, "Well, why don't you do it before the game?" Well, because if we do it before the game, that means it's going to be at five o'clock. And now we're asking moms and dads to take off work early again. And now you've got every mom and dad all kinds of upset because you made them get off work 30 minutes early and then you want to push this along. And now you have that questionable call. You wonder why they're mad. (laughs) They're already mad because I had to explain to my boss why I had to leave 30 minutes early. I had to take a half a day vacation to be able to get here on time. You know, we don't process all that. We're only thinking about ourselves as officials a lot of times. And that's what gets us in trouble because we're not necessarily thinking of the efforts that others have put in to have this game pre-game or post-game. Yeah. So I'd like for us to look at some some positive things that we could do, not necessarily for them, okay? Not for the parents, not for the coaches, for whatever, but some positive things that we can do for ourselves when we find ourselves in situations like this. And I don't just mean the big game because – this boils all the way down to the opening game of the tournament Mm -hmm. because they're still looking towards, I want my kid to be the champion. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, Jeff brought up the the thing of the fireworks. The thing that annoys me even more is you got an eight U travel baseball tournament where the champion gets a ring that's so big, you know, they could put three of their fingers in it. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, a little mini Super right. Bowl ring. Mm-hmm. Like what eight-year-old kid needs a ring like that for winning the, you know, Podunk County Tournament, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. But there, there's some things I think can be really helpful to us. Number one, I believe that when we hear the chirping that comes from parents and I don't care who you are. You can say you don't have rabbit ears. You can say you just ignore everything that happens outside the fence or whatever. Or if you're on the basketball court, you ignore the stuff that comes from the sidelines or wherever. The truth is we hear it. Mm -hmm. And if I hear it through the lens of what you just said, Jeff, uh, they came to this tournament, the 
Only hotels in the area are $250 a night, mm. which is what happened at a tournament I was at a couple weeks ago. Okay, mm. $250 a night. And they're going to be there at least four nights for mm -hmm. a Thursday through Sunday tournament, mm -hmm. right? Um, they're spending money at places that know that these are all people out of town coming in. So the prices, you know, instead of it being a $7 meal at McDonald's, it's a $9 meal at McDonald's, even mm -hmm. if you're going cheap, right? Mm -hmm. um, gas is crazy right now. Mm -hmm. If you're flying, flights are absolutely nuts. Then you got to get a rental car and then buy the gas on top of it or, you know, wherever it is. I mean, mm -hmm. these are people that are spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. At the bare minimum, if it's a local team, where all they got to do is show up, they're still spending thousands of dollars to be on the team each year. Yeah, right. Right? So when that parent is watching that game, making those comments, they are doing that through the lens of, I just invested thousands and thousands of dollars. And so I expect a $1,000 official. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, guess what? <laughs> We're not. Right. The, yeah, the reality is no. Mm -hmm. We're just not. Now, you may be you you may work games where you get paid a thousand dollars. Right? Jeff works games where he gets what we jokingly call comma checks. Mm -hmm, sure. Right? Jeff works those. But I'm telling you, if Jeff had to work five games in a row at a travel basketball tournament, by game five, Jeff's not a thousand dollar tournament tournament official. Yeah, it don't make any difference. Well, we we saw that with Higgins, right? Yep. A men's official. He goes out there and referees an AAU tournament, and they're treating him like he doesn't know the first thing about basketball. Yep. And he's been to multiple Final Fours. Yep. They don't care. That's exactly right. Because in their mind, they are so attached to their investment. Mm -hmm. The investment monetarily, the investment of time, and the investment just in their child that's out there playing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really important for us to understand those comments are coming through that lens. I also think it's really important to understand sometimes we go to these kinds of events and it's like, why does it seem like everybody is yelling this stuff? Well, it goes back to what I said a minute ago. These travel teams, the families that are involved become a unit mm -hmm. over that period of time. So now if you pick on one mama bear's cub, mm -hmm. you've picked on every mama bear's cub. Mm -hmm. If you've got one travel dad sitting over there yelling about strike zone, you're going to have every travel dad yelling about strike zone. So we need to understand that there is a much more cohesive unit within that fandom. So now when they yell, when they get angry, it's as a group, not as a single. And we do. I mean, we let's let's flip the script a little bit. The same thing's happening when a fan yells at you on the plate as my partner, you're yelling at me. Yep. So now both of us are mad at the fans yelling at you. Mm -hmm. No different than one fan yells at the one umpire. That means all the rest of the fans were behind you. Yep. And it's become a very divided community. I don't think it's good for anybody. I don't think it's good for life in general. Sure. It's it's a bad, bad case scenario. Um, I dream. I dream of days where I, I can just be in my golf cart riding and someone just wants to talk and visit with me about whatever. And I dream of those days instead of 
talking and stopping and we visit and we're complaining about gas prices and we're complaining about grandmas and grandpas and we're complaining about kids at nine and um i wish we had more of that mm-hmm. um one of the things that um we can do is for for one encourage those conversations mm-hmm. encourage healthy normal talk back and forth with each other whether I be with your partner or someone completely strange. And I, I've even found, I found myself doing this. It was on vacation. We were on vacation. We were taking a hike and we see other people. You know, a lot of times you kind of say hello, give them the head nod. And I told myself, self, <laughs> I didn't tell Gina this, but I'm going to engage in some conversation here. And one of the things that I wanted to do when I got done with that conversation is I wanted to thank them for a nice visit. Mm-hmm. Instead of, you know, yeah, all right, whatever, yeah, see you later, I got to go hiking, you know, th- take some time. Now, it's a lot easier to do when you're on vacation than it is when you're trying to get your gas filled up before you got to be at work in 10 minutes and you're yep. running late. All those things come into play. But it maybe I just wonder what it would be like as an umpire and a, and a dad, we'll say, of a player if we could discuss more things and as we get done. We say, hey, you know, thanks for the visit. Mm-hmm. That that's nice. I appreciate that. Where would we be? Would we be? Would would they look at us differently and us look at them differently? Because that's a, I think that's a huge fault of both of ours right now. Mm-hmm. We're looking at moms and dads as all we're, we're sitting here doing it right now. We're looking at moms and dads that are spending thousands and thousands of dollars, and we don't know this, but we're we're making some assumptions here, some sure. pretty good assumptions. And they're assuming that we're, you know, we're getting paid a thousand dollars. And when we get done, we're going to the bar. We don't care about the game. So that we're both making some assumptions when really we, it would be nice to say, we well, could walk up to the fence and go, yeah, Hey, you know, and I, I saw you pull up in that, that Harley Davidson. Where'd you get that from? It's a nice bike. You know, that's, I see your kids swinging a D Marini. You know, where's that? Where'd that bat come from, man? That's a beautiful bat. If we can have more conversations like that, instead of you be quiet and then the fan goes, you just take care of your balls and strikes and be professional, we would be in a different place. I absolutely agree. I had two very uh, similar interactions with different sports happen recently. Um, So this is not humble brag time. This is talking about... um, implementing stuff that we've talked about previously on the podcast. Okay. So I was working a college woodback game over in Indiana uh, just a few weeks ago, and I had a ball boy that was awesome. Mm. 12, 13 years old, I'm guessing. A kid that age, it's really hard to stay plugged in for nine straight innings. <laughs> yeah, right. You know? Mm-hmm. Not only was this kid ready to bring me baseballs every time I would reach over and put fingers up of however many I needed – he knew how many I needed before I put it up because every time he saw a ball go out of play, he would take another ball out of the bucket and put up on top of the shelf. Awesome. So then whenever I was calling, he was just grabbing them and going. He was great. And I would talk to him back and forth. And every single time he came out, I thanked him, mm-hmm. appreciated him, all that kind of stuff. So we finished the game. I'm in a hurry to change because I've got some family. It's there at the game, and I'm going to meet them back in the stadium, and we're going we're gonna to talk or whatever. And after I, I meet my family, this guy walks up, and he says, I'm so sorry to, uh, to interrupt. I just want you to know 
I'm so-and-so's dad, and I really appreciate the way you interact. I've not seen any other umpire do that the way that you did it today. Mm. And I immediately turned it back on the kid. I said, hey, anytime I have a, you know, somebody like that working with me, I said, it just made my night so much easier. Mm-hmm. I said, because he's a great worker. I said, you need to be proud of what you've done with him mm-hmm. because he is a great young kid. And the way he stayed plugged in, I said, man, I'd, I'd take him on the road with me anywhere. Hmm, right. You know? And all, of course, it made the dad feel good and that kind of thing. But I thought it was interesting that just some basic courtesy, yes. right? Mm-hmm. It's something that was seen as being so different. Then I was at this college basketball camp in Indianapolis last week. First game went great, right? No problem. Jeff has talked about this on the podcast. Little things like if we need them to move, hey, I'm so sorry to ask this of you, but would you mind moving over here? They move over. Hey, thank you so much for doing that. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Right? Hand mm-hmm. the ball. Somebody gets you the ball. Hey, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Right? So we had the game, got some good feedback at the end of the game. I'm feeling good. Whatever. Right? I go down. All of a sudden, I get approached by a parent. That was just on the game. Mm-hmm. And it was a parent of the losing team. And I, in my mind, I'm making the assumption, right? Yeah. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Here we go, right? And he's got his camera. I am too. And I yeah. started the story. That's right. Yeah. And he's got his camera out because one of the other teams from their program was playing on the court that I was going to watch the officials on. He walked up to me. He said, hey, uh, I was just down at the court that you were at. He goes, I just want you to know I loved watching you officiate that game. Mm-hmm. He said, you involved the players. You, he said, please and thank you, and you appreciate them. He said, did you notice that those players were smiling more than I think I have seen them <laughs> smile all summer? Mm. You know, and it was just little things. Sure. Like, you know, there was one time where there were like three girls on the, on the free throw lane that all needed to tie their shoes at the same time. And so I, I made some sort of joke. Okay, next person's got time. We're just going to bring the Velcro out, right? Mm-hmm. You know, or what? You know, just a little thing. Just get him a smile in the middle of the game, whatever, right? And he made a big, big deal about it because they're not used to seeing that common courtesy. Mm-hmm. You've talked about it over and over and over. We as officials need to bring that human side to whatever game we work. The moment we do that, we are giving them respect. We talk all the time about how we want to be respected as officials. Mm-hmm. Let's give players, let's give coaches, let's even give fans respect until they prove they're not worthy of it. Sure. Well, and you know, wouldn't you do that in your normal day-to-day life? If you're walking in the grocery store and you open up the door, assuming it's not an automatic door, <laughs> you know, you open up the door, wouldn't you hold it for someone that's coming out? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you hold it for someone's coming in behind you? If you're getting a grocery cart, you see someone waiting for a grocery cart. Don't you take that grocery cart and give it to the person who's waiting? Here you go. I'll get the next one. If you're not doing that, then this is the right podcast for you because that means you are not being uncommon. Yeah. And that's and that's what's interesting to me about your story is what you did was not that big a deal, but it looked very abnormal to this dad. Yeah. And when it looks abnormal to that dad, he took notice. We should be doing abnormal things. That's right. If they're used to umpires, referees being, you know, uh, unapproachable, you know, unhappy, you know, all the things, right? Then 
it shouldn't be that difficult to look abnormal amongst all the rest of the officials that are just going through the motions and unhappy that they're having to be there because they got to, I need the extra hundred bucks because whatever gas is $5 a gallon. So I got to get, I got to go referee five more games. Mm-hmm. So, um, we have it. We have an opportunity to affect people. We really, really do, especially as sports officials. Even though we don't believe we are doing it, we have an opportunity to affect eleven-year-old ball boys. We have an effect to, to. We have a chance to affect the thirty-year-old dad of the eleven-year-old ball boy. Mm-hmm. We have a chance to do that, and we don't care if they get into umpiring, but it it reaffirms that dad, you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Your kids doing things that are very abnormal. We've all had ball boys that are, you can give them the four and they show up eight pitches later, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and now you're up to 10 or whatever. So um, I think our biggest challenge is to take notice that it's, it, that it is happening, that we are having an opportunity to affect others by simple ball boy actions or dealing with good conversations with dads. And so let's also then talk about where the rubber meets the road for how we call a game. Okay, so let's put ourselves in the position of I'm the plate umpire, you're the base umpire, and we're on that 10U championship game where they set off the fireworks. Okay. Right? Um, that would be a stretch for us to work a game that big. But maybe <laughs> maybe we can get assigned to it, right? That's right. So if we got lucky enough to pull that assignment and we go work that game, and uh, my guess is at that age it's probably a six-inning game. Right. Right? And – we're now in the top of the sixth, and it's a tie game. And the visiting team really wants to push a run across to go up going into the bottom of the last inning. And so we got a runner on third, and there is a, a ground ball to the shortstop that normally a shortstop would just go to first with it, you know, and get out number two. But because now there's a run potentially coming in to score, he's throwing home. And I'm there on the plate, and that throw comes in, and it's in plenty of time, and there's a tag on the foot a good two feet in front of the plate. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's not even a close play, right? I mean, at that age, I can look over top of them. I don't even have to worry about getting in a good position. Mm -hmm. I just look straight down over top and see what's happening, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I come up with the out call. And all of a sudden, the visiting fans explode – the visiting head coach who's been coaching third base is now running towards me, losing his mind, mm-hmm. right? Now, any other situation or circumstance in my mind, I'm like, what is up with you, dude? Like, come on. Mm-hmm. And, and we hear these conversations when we talk as umpires or referees together. I can't believe that person blew up the way they blew up, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But what if I could understand mm. why they blew up the way they blew up, right? What if that visiting team coach saw the home team setting up the fireworks in the outfield before the game, mm-hmm. knowing they're ready to celebrate when they win? Mm-hmm. What if he's the coach and all of these parents are all over him because they've all invested money in this thing. And we should have already won by now. Mm -hmm. And we should be up by eight runs because, but you pulled out our pitcher and now they came back or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, right? They've been hearing it all game long. And now here was a chance for his team to go up and he's cheering with his heart, not his head. Mm -hmm. 
you know, what looks like a two-foot easy out call to me looks like the closest play that could ever go to replay in Major League Baseball to him. Mm -hmm. Now, if I just look at that and I go, whoa, whoa, he can't do that, and I just turn and dump, Mm -hmm. okay? Or worse than that, I try to get adversarial with him, Yeah. right? Now, I'm I'm not in a good place. Mm -hmm. This is a situation where even as a college official, what a great time for me to practice my communication skills. Mm-hmm. What a great time for me to practice my game management and have the opportunity to to have a Now, that coach may have to go. They, that may have sure. to happen, right? Sure. If they mm-hmm. cross the line, they do whatever. But still, if I understand why they're doing it, now it's not that he's mad at me. He's had all this other pressure put on him going into that moment. Right. We talked about it earlier in the season of the podcast. We said that basketball coach that's absolutely losing their mind on us when they've only won five games all season Mm -hmm. and we can't understand why they're losing their mind. Well, maybe their athletic director walked into their office the day before and said, look, this is the only team below us in the standings. Mm -hmm. If we can't get this win, you need to be ready to look for something else next year. Yeah. Well, no wonder they're losing their mind on us. Yeah, <laughs> right? they don't know how they're, they're fighting the house for their job. Yeah, they want to make a house payment, right? That's right. And so, uh, again, it, it doesn't change what we do. It doesn't change our calls. It doesn't change us enforcing the rules as written. But I think it does help us have understanding, compassion, empathy for the people that we're adjudicating this game for. And I think that starts early. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, let's just give the baseball game its due here. Same situation. Let's go at the very beginning of the game where we're going over ground rules. Instead of saying, hey, you know, Coach Joe, nice to meet you. Good luck. Let's take it even further. I mean, I appreciate your time and dedication you put towards these teams. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you. You know, I, I saw you working out there in infield. That's 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 good work for what it means coming for me. I know you have a... A pressure-packed job, and I know moms and dads are can be tough on you, but just so just so you know, as a neutral person, I mean, obviously, I mean, these are all you wouldn't say all of this, sure. But these are the kinds of things that you could say. Yeah, these are the just kinds of things that you could say. That's first of all is going to go. This coach is going to go. Hmm. At least someone appreciates me. Yeah. Right. And this 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 umpire is is actually human mm-hmm. because we do those things. In the grocery stores and the gas stations, why can't we do it at the plate meeting? You know, why can't we? When that coach gives you the baseball, because in the 10U game, you don't got ball, boys, right? It's right. the coach running by. Hey, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. You know, I, much appreciated. You know, those kind of things um, can go a long way. Those small acts of kindness can have a major effect on what we're doing. Yeah. I actually had a really funny conversation uh, a couple weeks ago about travel umpires specifically. There was somebody asked, you know, how, how long do you think before they go to the to the robot umps? They weren't talking about travel ball. They were talking about Major League Baseball. And I joked and said, well, we've already got robot umps in travel ball. And they're like, what do you mean? And they thought I was talking. They had like one of those pitch tracks things mm. on a screen behind, you know, or whatever. I said, no. I said, these guys have to work so many games. It's like going through an assembly line, right? <laughs> you know, they're working five, six games a day. And right. so it's, it's everything is just like so robotic. Mm-hmm. You know, they're trying to save energy for the day. They're trying to do a good job for the people that are there. But, okay, they're going to 
they're going to do the exact same thing at plate meeting number four as they did at plate meeting number one, and that they're going to do at plate meeting number three tomorrow or mm-hmm. wherever, you know, just, all right, got your lineups, good. Everybody give the ground rules, good. All right, here we go, mm-hmm. right? So that's what coaches are used to hearing mm-hmm. every time we get that plate meeting or having that introduction with the coach before a basketball game or whatever. And so because of that, now it's easy for them not to see us as a human being because we're just continuing to spout off the same thing that happens every time. So it seems robotic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the moment you do something like you just said, Jeff, where all of a sudden you say something they're not expecting to hear, immediately their perspective changes. It Mm -hmm. may not be conscious. It could be totally subconscious. Right. But there is something different that happens because of the way you engage with them before the game even begins. Yep. And I know this is this is not on the agenda to talk about, but I believe we will have electronic slash robot strike zones in youth sports before we have them in pro sports. I mean, we already have them somewhat in pro sports. They're going to make a lesser version. Mm-hmm. They're going to make a version that it costs whatever. I don't know. Let's just name the amount. We'll say $5,000. Well, that's paid for itself in one one summer in travel ball. Yep. Paid for itself. And they don't care. Human umpires are missing them anyway. Mm-hmm. So if this computer slash robot umpire, strike zone umpire, misses a few, they don't care. That mm-hmm. saved them money. And now we could spend more money on bigger rings and, and bigger trophies and, and alternate to the alternate uniform. So yep. I think there's it's it's definitely in the making. You know, we, we think of just in basketball, we think of the shot clock. Well, college, you know, pros had shot clock, then college put shot clock. I don't know how they, which came first, chicken or the egg there. But now we're seeing in multiple states in, in, in high school because it's easier to make. Yep. It's easier to make. And, in, and if they're doing it digitally on TV, they're making a lesser version. They're making a lesser version. And when they make that lesser version, these these schools, these park districts, these travel tournaments will most definitely invest in it because if they don't have to worry about assigning an umpire. They got to hire somebody to flip the switch. Yeah, done. It'll happen. Mark my words. And here's the thing: if if you're somebody that hears that, and all of a sudden you're groaning mm-hmm. and you're arguing with us in the car as you drive down the road or whatever. I don't know that I go as far as Jeff does where I think it's going to happen at that level before it happens at the upper levels. I do think it's going to come almost everywhere at some point. But if if that's something that you fight against, then become somebody that they don't want to lose out of the game. That's good. You know what I mean? You know what I was going to say? What's that? Become someone that is able to turn the switch on. Oh, there you go. (laughs) But, But to me, it's like, okay, you know what? They... They're not going to have an interaction between a ball boy, you know, with mm-hmm. with the robo zone. Yeah, They're, you're not going to have a connection with players from a robo zone. You're not going to mm-hmm. have connection with coaches for robo zone. And so, if all they see us is as people that have an axe to grind, that are ready to dump somebody, that are adversarial, whatever, then why wouldn't they go to that? Mm-hmm. You know, but if we become a valuable, integral part of the game, mm-hmm. it's harder to lose. Yep. You know, I, I think that's something we need to look at doing. Uh, Jeff and I next week are going to go uh, work a, a very special event. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and we'll tell you all more about that afterwards. In fact, I'm hoping Jeff doesn't know this yet, uh, but I'm hoping to take some gear with us and actually uh, record a couple podcast episodes while we're there. Hotel recording. There you go. <laughs> Applebee's and, uh, will be at Applebee's. Live right. at Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk with a couple of the umpires. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're gonna be there. Uh, we're gonna talk hopefully. Uh, I think I've got it worked out to uh, maybe talk with uh, a couple of the interpreters from some uh, of the international teams oh, that are nice. going to be in working with us and all. And I, I think it'll be something neat and fun for you all. And we'll we'll share more about that uh, during those episodes, obviously. I'm excited. You just told me. I'm excited. Right. But the fun thing about that, uh, about going to this particular event, it's 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 a high-level event. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really, really good baseball. Uh, some of the top 16 U baseball in the world. Now, not every team that shows up there is the top. 16 new baseball in the world, mm-hmm. but especially the international teams and some of the zone participants that are there are really, really top notch. And yet there's something very different about this tournament. There is, I don't want to necessarily call it a looseness, but there is a kind of this underlying joy that happens during this particular event Uh, part of it is because it's just, it's a celebration of baseball. Mm -hmm. Part of it's because, uh, kids are being exposed to different cultures than what they've been exposed to before. Uh, you see kids coming from other places where they just don't have a ton. And now they're playing in a minor league baseball stadium in this beautiful part of the country. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just, it's really neat to get to go do that. And what's interesting to me is there are a few of the participants that, that often come back. Uh, there's a, a team from North Carolina that almost always wins the East zone and comes in. And the players are always different, mm-hmm. but the coaches are the same. And sometimes the, the coaches will show up on a day, what well, man, we're so glad to see you. Mm. You know, or hey, you know, they you remember them, hey, how's your, your kid doing? They were they were heading into elementary school this year, mm-hmm. right? Or whatever. And and those kinds of things, that's something that it builds bonds. And I think it's one of the reasons why there's still a, a joy to that tournament, because then when you have to make that huge call against them, mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah, know, right. that eliminates them from an international <laughs> tournament, mm-hmm. uh, they're not happy about it, but they know you're not out to get them. Mm-hmm. They see you there working, you know, building relationships, encouraging the kids mm-hmm. having fun, whatever. And I think we need to bring that to what we do. It, even when we have to be, I'll just call it at a different level at a, at a collegiate sport, you know, where, okay, they don't want us to be quite that loose or quite that talkative or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what? There are still elements of humanity that we need to bring to those games. And I think it's easier to bring that humanity to it when we at least have an understanding of the why mm. the reason that travel parent is yelling at you is because that travel parent may be investing five to $12,000 this year in their kid playing that game. And the, maybe even over investing. Sure. You know, they're, sure. they're in the red Yeah, and they're wondering how they're going to afford Christmas presents. Absolutely. You know, you've got a coach who's afraid he's not going to be able to keep his team or half the team's going to go to the rival travel group in town Mm. because his team's not winning. And so Mm. he's losing his mind to try to prove to the parents that he's fighting for their kids. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you've got tournament officials that are upset because the games aren't moving along fast enough and things are getting put behind time. They're fighting weather coming in. Well, you know, we, we feel... There are all these pressures, and it doesn't mean that we have to change what we do, 
But if we understand the why, it makes us at our best when we go to respond. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think that's a great point. I mean, I I am guilty. I think we all are guilty of not understanding where the why is or what the why is, um, because we're so we're so focused on. I know my why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean. I'm not really concerned about your why. Um, and I think we we need to practice empathy, as you said. You know, if we can practice that on a day to day basis. It's no different than what I say about our communication skills. We have to practice our communication skills on everything we do, not just when the first pitch happens and not just when the ball goes up for the jump. So if we could practice that empathy on a day-to-day basis, we are going to be uh, head and shoulders above many other people. And another thing that you said, uh, and I know we're going backwards, but about the electronic strike zone or the ro- robot strike zone, if you're concerned about it, then be stru- work on being someone they do not want to replace. And that's not about getting them right all the time because even the robots are going to miss them. Work on being someone that can't handle leaving the game. That's where if you make yourself invaluable, you will be valuable. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I uh, I thought I'd share one last fun little thing before we kind of wrap up today. Um, I was reminded this week specifically that you never know who you're going to encounter when you're working in the world of athletics. Uh, I had a friend of mine that went to go work a, a baseball game just thinking, oh, so I think it was 12U, something like that. You know, no big deal. So he goes out there for the coaches meeting before the game starts. And this big, huge, towering behemoth of a guy walks out there. Oh, it's Jim Tomey, who used to play for the White Sox and (laughs) a couple other teams, you know, who just happens to be coaching his kids, Mm -hmm. you know, travel team. Super nice guy and all that kind of thing, you know. And uh, we we joked afterwards. He's like, well, you know, it was my second game. And I didn't know he was there. What if he'd been watching the end of my first game Mm. and had already decided – I was a pretty cruddy umpire because I was taking it easy or mm-hmm. not hustling or whatever. He said, I hustled like crazy on Jim Tomey's game. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you ought to hustle like crazy on every game. You right, know? right. Um, Jeff and I had the opportunity earlier this season uh, working uh, a college wood bat league. Um, I was behind the plate. Jeff was on the bases while a kid who was a first-round draft pick this year mm-hmm. was pitching. Yeah. Uh, he was picked 26th uh, in, the, uh, uh, in the MLB draft this year. Um I had high school games of a kid that was picked uh, later in the sixth round. In fact, I went through and looked, and I had about 10 draft picks this year that I've either, you know, been on the plate or the field for for one of their games at some point. Mm. And you just never know the impact that you make. Uh, You know, maybe it's a a kid that's down and struggling, and he's really early on. I mean, it could have been, you know, junior high baseball, right? Right. And, you know, you're just encouraging and that kind of thing. And they stick with it and do whatever. And who knows where they could go or what they could do. It's it's not about what we get out of it. You know, it's mm-hmm. about the, the how, how do we invest into those that are a part of the game? And how do we make it enjoyable for them? And uh, I know Jeff's worked multiple games for people that have gone on to play in the WNBA mm-hmm. and things like that. And um, we've we've worked with other officials that have gone on to do great, phenomenal things. Remember that you have the ability to make an impact on somebody every time you take the quarter of the field. Mm-hmm. The question is, what kind of impact are you going to make? Yep. Uh, Jeff talks about being neutral all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. At worst, be neutral. Yep. 
at best be a positive influence on those you come in contact with. Right. And if you're going to be uncommon, don't ever, ever, ever be that negative influence on the people that play the games that we care about. Yep. And as soon as you see it coming, you got to nix it. You yep. got to nix that negative thoughts. You got to nix those uh, negative feelings and negative reactions to the people that you're around. Because as, as I've said many times, I think everything is contagious, yep. whether it's negative, positive or neutral. It's contagious, and um, sometimes um, you can have a contagious uh, personality that no one wants to be around. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> you know, and the people around you being, you know, we're going to get ready to go for that leave for this tournament. There's going to be, you know, a couple handful of umpires there. Well, it everything's going to be contagious, and yep. if we're contagiously complaining, then all of us will be complaining about something, and it's just sure. not going to be a fun experience. Yeah, and so I think that what we talked about today. Uh, Understanding where people are coming from, Mm -hmm. empathizing with them, even if we don't agree, helps us take a negative situation and at least respond to it neutrally. Mm -hmm. And more than likely will help us be a positive impact on the game. I agree. Everybody, we hope this has been helpful for you. We would love to hear from you. Send us your comments, questions, suggestions mm-hmm. uh, to uncommondrivepodcast at gmail.com. We use all of that as we prepare for fun things for you. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again next week. Have a See, great time, everybody. See y'all. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.